0: Amen. Let's give all our kids another hand clap of praise, if you will. Amen. Well, uh, it's time now for us to at least fellowship around God's word for a few minutes. Amen. Amen. You know, uh, and I thank you all for your patience, but uh, we do want to on purpose and intentionally, you know, celebrate our children, you know, uh, because it's quite an accomplishment and we want them to know that, you know, we got their back. You know, we want them to be successful in all they endeavor to do in life. And that starts with just recognizing them right here in church. And I thank you for participating today, and, uh, and I know they're really going to appreciate that. Amen? All right, then uh, let me pray, and then we'll do our statement of faith, and then our scripture text, if you'll stand it, if you're able to. Come from Luke chapter 19, verse 9 and 10. Eternal God, our Father, we honor you now as we come to sanctify your word, God, by, by, by preaching it with power and authority, God. We come now to fellowship around it. We come to let your word have its way in our heart and our mind and our lives. And we thank you, God, for these precious moments that you give us in these times in our service that we can stop and celebrate and focus on you and your word. And now, God, I just ask that you open each heart and mind up to receive what you have in store for them. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. All right, I'll say, this is my Bible. Bible. It is the word of truth. truth. I am am. what it says I am. I can do do. what it says I can. can. I'm a believer and not a doubter. I'm a doer doer. and not just a hearer. I am humble before the Lord. I'm obedient to the Lord. Lord. I am mature in the Lord. I'm enthusiastic about the Lord. Lord. I know that. Faith cometh by hearing hearing, and hearing by by the word of God. God. Amen. You may be seated. Well, let me read the scripture and then you can see. I'm sorry. If you're able to say, I'm sorry. The Bible says this, And Jesus said to him, Today, somebody say today. He says, today salvation has come to this house because he also is a son of Abraham. For the son of man has come to seek and to save that which was lost. Amen? You may be seated. You may be seated. Well, this is going to be our second sermon in the series that we have entitled The Seeking Savior. And I told you last week that I want you to think with me as we talk about seeking and what do you do when you seek something? And what we're going to see here is that when Jesus sought certain things, he was intentionally. So, sometimes when you're seeking things, you have to diligently search for whatever it is you're looking for. You have to be intentional. You have to be deliberate. Because sometimes the things that you're seeking is not going to always be found easy. So, therefore, it requires effort. And Jesus went out of his way to seek those who need to know who he was. So, my prayer is that the Holy Spirit would give us the confidence, the courage, and the creative ideas or creative ways to intentionally look for those who may not know Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. Amen? And I said, you know, we must intentionally or on purpose uh, look for ministry moments when we can engage someone or interact with someone and share the good news of the gospel. A ministry moment is not about uh, condemning people putting people down, but it's about sharing your love for them, sharing the hope that they need to have in the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, praying for them, giving them some confidence, words of encouragement, whatever it is that can make that person feel better because they have been in your presence and you know that your presence with the Holy Spirit on inside of you, allow them to be in the presence of someone who represents God. So I just want you to be intentional because there are many people in this world who don't know who Jesus is. And seeking the lost was Jesus' top priority. Amen? Amen. Now today we're going to take a look at John chapter 4. Most of our time is going to be in John chapter 4, long chapter, but I got to kind of break it up and y'all stay with me if you will. So we're going to look at John chapter 4. John chapter 4 is this episode where Jesus, you know, and the disciples on the move again, but this time they find themselves where they had to go through Samaria. And Jesus specifically told his disciples. He needed to go through Samaria. Samaria was a place the Jews didn't like to go. Didn't like to go through Samaria. But sometime in life, if you're going to minister to people where they are, you're going to have to go through some places instead of around some places. You know, when I first got here, they used to tell us to go around Lovejoy. They told her, don't, don't go down Lovejoy. You need to go around Lovejoy to get to cut off. And I want to know why. Because Lovejoy represented Samaria. It was bad things, they say, was happening out in Lovejoy. And they didn't want none of us military folk to go out there and get caught up in the bad thing. But every now and then, you just got to go through someplace to get to where God is trying to take you to go. We went out there as a church, and we all right. We didn't get caught up in drugs. We didn't get caught up in it because we went to. We went to Samaria. We went to. And so every now and then God going to place some people on your mind, some, some things on your mind. And when he do that, you can't run from it. You're going to have to go. So Jesus finds himself at this well and he, he was tired. They had been traveling for several days. And he sent the disciples off. They decide they're going to go get something to eat. So we find Jesus in a dilemma here because we've got some unusual things about to take place. First of all, in verse 7, he says, Soon a Samaritan woman. Samaritan woman. Samaritan Jews hated because they considered them half-breeds. They were part of the Jewish culture because they come from, you know, Jacob or Israel. They was part of the ten tribes that got into captivity. So they was part Jewish, but because they had started intermarrying, the Jews looked down on them. And then they also started worshiping other gods. So therefore, when you hear the term Samaritan or Jewish community, these folks hated the Samaritans. But Jesus said, I got to go. And so when he got there, he said he saw... The Samaritan, soon a Samaritan woman came to draw water and Jesus saw her and he said, please give me a drink. The dilemma. One, it was unusual for a woman to come to the well by herself. Normally she would come with other women because that was their task. That was their chore. They go out and draw the water, bring it back to the village. Two, it was unusual for her to be there at noontime. Noontime is like the hottest part of the day, kind of like when we go out here at noon to 3 o'clock. It's very, very hot. So for her to be there at noontime was unusual. Then the third thing that was really unusual, it was unusual for a Jewish man or a rabbi or a teacher to be in the presence of a woman by himself. But Jesus put himself in that predicament all because he realized this woman needed to be saved. And sometimes we got to put ourselves in a situation that everybody else may look down on. And I wish I could really make this plain without hurting somebody's feeling. But, you know, I want to make it relevant to where we are today. If I was making this relevant to where we are today, it was like if Jesus ran up on a sister out of the well. And it wasn't right for a man of Jesus' character to talk to someone that's a, You know, that was a time here in America when somebody would have a problem talking to you if their friends saw them talking. Because of what people had thought and said about you, they didn't know you, but based upon that, they judged you. So Jesus found himself talking to a woman who was being judged by the very community that she lived in. So she had to go to the well by her. When she should have went with some friends. But I'm going to show you why she had to go by herself because a few minutes we're going to find out. Now, you know, she was a tough lady, even by today's standards. Y'all with me so far? So look at this. Now, in verse 9 and 10, we see this. First, when Jesus met her, you know, he said, please give me a drink. I want to hit that for a moment for the kids. Please is a word you need to have in your vocabulary. When you ask for something from somebody, you ought to just say And when somebody do something for you, young folk, put thank you in your vocabulary. And when you bump into somebody, say excuse me. Bring those words back into your vocabulary because there's nothing wrong with telling someone please when you're asking for something. So Jesus being the savior of the world said to the woman, please give me a drink. I know I know some of the, the folks don't think they have to say please to people, but I'm here to tell you, we got to learn from Jesus. So now look at this. He had this encounter with the woman, and look at this in verse 9 and 10. The woman was surprised, for Jews refused to have anything to do with Negroes. Uh-huh. Oh, yeah, play, <laughs> I figured I'd put that there to get y'all attention. So, but, but in reality, that was the time When people will refuse to have anything to do with you. She said to Jesus, you are a Jew and I am a Samaritan woman. Why are you asking me for a drink? Jesus replied, if you only knew the gift God has for you and who you are speaking to. You would ask me, and I would give you living water. In other words, he was saying, Now you were looking for natural water when you came here, but if you know who you're talking to, I got something to give you where you will never thirst. In other words, he was trying to offer her salvation by using the situation that she was in, coming to look for water. So he tied that to spiritual water. And all of you, if you're here and you've accepted Jesus Christ, then now you have accepted that spiritual water of your salvation and it's your job to do something with it. He didn't save you for you to just stay to you. He saved you so every now and then you will go through Samaria. You go through the hood. You know, some of us get, get you know, we grow, outgrow the hood. We, get, we arrive, we make stacks, And then we easily forget where we come from. You can't forget where the Lord brought you from. And so Jesus offered this woman living water. Now while he was having this conversation, he was leading her down this path of eternal salvation. But as he was getting deeper in this conversation, he started to talk to her about her personal life. You know, sometimes when you're dealing with people, you're trying to reach people, you got to understand and listen to their personal story, and it helps for you know something about their personal life that you can connect to. Now, Jesus, knowing all, he could connect to her personal life. So, so he abruptly told her, "Hey, in the middle of this conversation, go call your husband and come here. Now, this shifted the conversation from talking about living water right. to how you're living. Right. Oh, yeah. Yeah. See, see, he was talking about the spirit of living water, but I want to make sure you understand how you yeah. Now the woman answered him correctly, well, you know, when she said I have no... She spoke the truth without explanation. Uh-huh. That was more to the to the story. Yes, he gave her credit for saying, hey, you said it right. You have no husband. Because he says, for you have had five husbands. And the one you're living with now is not your husband. In other words, I don't know what they call shack in the day. They got a new name for it. Now, it don't sound bad the way we do it today. You know, we just cohabitate together because we just, you know, for convenience sake. You know, we... we you know, we're just trying to combine incomes and make all ends meet and just live together. I got an opinion on that, but I won't share it right here. But Jesus did make it known that you're living with a man. Mm-mm-mm. And you ain't even married to him. So let me move on. Now you can imagine in this woman's mind, this guy done got into my business yeah. Yeah. I came here to get water uh-huh. now he talking about mine yeah. <laughs> so she shifted the conversation because after he said that she thought this dude may be a prophet uh-huh. so I don't want to still talk about the dude I'm living with let's go talk about worship yeah. let's change the subject you know how sometimes when you're talking to your children about one thing and you're getting too close to what you're trying to find out? They would change to go somewhere else. <laughs> you know, it ain't just children that do that. Grown folk can do it too. You know, when someone starts talking to you about some things, you feel uncomfortable, the first thing you want to do is just change the... So this woman decided that she's going to bring in worship. And she brought in the place of worship as an argument. Because the Jews and the Samaritans have been arguing for centuries about where is the right place to worship God. Knowing that, she threw that on the table, but guess what Jesus did? You know, he didn't do what Bolden would have did. He did what Jesus would have done. Because I would have stayed there and talked about that husband and the one she's living with, there, you know, I would have stayed on that street for a little while longer. I would have just lingered a a while, cause I, I want—I want to get a reaction. We're going to talk about this, that. but Jesus said, "Look, here, if you want to change the subject, I'll accommodate you. I won't even talk about that anymore. I'll talk about what you want to talk about. Since you want to bring worship into this, let's talk about worship. So, what I'm trying to tell you is, sometimes when you start talking to your friends and you're trying to win them over to the Lord, and you start to hear some nerves that they don't want you to hear, and they change subject, don't, don't get offended. Roll with the change." Whatever they start talking about, you start talking about. Amen. Because then now you're going to start sounding like you're beating them down with what you're trying to get across. And like I said, Bolden probably would have had to have been called back to class because I would have probably stayed on that street a little too long. I want to know why you're living with him. What he do. What you do. But Jesus said, let's talk about religion. Is that what you want to talk about? Let's talk about worship. Princess is all right if I talk about worship for a few minutes. she asked a question in verse twenty. Look at this. He says, "So tell me, why that you Jews insist that Jerusalem is the only somebody say the only, the only place to worship, and while we Samaritans claim it is here at Mount Gershom, where our ancestors worship." Look what Jesus said. Jesus replied, "Believe me, dear woman, the time is coming when it will no longer matter where." whether you worship the Father on this mountain or in Jerusalem. In other words, he was saying, look here, there's going to come a time, and now is that time, when the place that you worship is not going to be that important. It's going to be how you worship him. Because you can worship him the right way in your car, Ryan. While you're strolling around the campus, you know, being cool, you can worship him right there. Now, we come together for corporate worship, and that's a good thing. But what I'm trying to get you to see, because God is a spirit, and you have this living water on the inside of you now, you don't need to be here to worship God. The place that you come is not that important, but it's how you come to this place. Because you can come to this place with the wrong attitude and the wrong motivation, and you're messing up your worship experience and you could be sitting at your house today right now, instead of, you know, eating that avocado toast, you decide, hey, I'm going to listen to what the word has to say through Pastor Bowden. Yeah. Now you just entered into a worship yeah. mode. Yeah. Amen. Amen. Amen, because your focus is now on what God has to say and not what you're about to. When it's time to worship God, you can't be multiple task at home. You can't be ironing eating cornflakes and trying to see it in and talking about, you. I'm listening to the word. No, you ain't. Your heart is not with because wherever your heart is, that's what you're going to give attention to. And so therefore he's saying, look, to this woman, he was letting her know, it's not going to matter whether you go to Jerusalem or whether you're on this mountain because if your heart is not in the right place, you ain't in the right place. Oh, let me move on. He says now, you, Samaritan, verse 22, know very little about the one you worship. See, they only had a, a small knowledge of who God was because they at least knew the, the Old Testament. They knew the five books of the Old Testament, the Pentateuch. But they didn't know all the writings of the prophets and all the other things that had been added. So they, they knew some, but they didn't have the whole revelation like the Jews had. The Jews got the complete revelation. They got part of the revelation. Then when they went into captivity and started mixing with all these other religions, they started getting watered. See, we got a lot of Samaritans in the church today. We're watering down Jesus with too many other things. And you can't water down Jesus till you dilute his power in your life. You got to stay the course and know who you're going to follow. Because if not, someone's going to find you in college and they're going to water you down. He said, you know very little about the one you worship. While we Jews know all about him for salvation come through the Jews. Good statement. Jesus speaking truth there. He says, man, look, but the time is coming, indeed, it's here now. When true worshipers, somebody say true worshippers. Now, if he got to say true worshipers, that means there got to be false worshipers out there. So what is the true worshiper? What determines if I'm worshiping God in truth? He's going to tell us here in a minute. He says true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit. Your worship is not about how you feel in your hands and your head and all that. Your worship is about what's going on in your heart and what your heart thinks about God in your spirit deep down on the inside of you. Worship must spring from the inside of you and come to the outside. You can't start worshiping God in the right way when you think we're going to pump you up externally with music and all these other things to get you in a worship mode. You ought to come in here with a worship mode because it's something on the inside of you that's want to cry out to God and say, this is why I go to church. I come to worship him by putting my mind on him. This is his time. Your mind ought to be thinking about what he has done in your life. Now you can offer him worship. Because you're thinking about if your mind right now in this moment is somewhere else you ain't in worship even though you're in church. So let me just reel some of y'all back in. Click to the right channel. You've been surfing for a few minutes because I was too long on the point. Come on back to the right channel. Commercial break over. It ain't too late to get your mind on him because you want to be considered a true worship us. He says, when true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. He say, the Father is looking, seeking for those who will worship him that way. God is looking for somebody to worship him the right way. That ought to be you. If nobody else do you ought to say, hey God, you found me and I'm going to worship you the right way. When I come to church my mind's going to be on you. If I'm at home Watch it today, my mind's going to be on you. I'm not going to be doing other things when I'm supposed to be worshiping. Because people' mind go other places, they put a lot of pressure on us preachers. They tell us we got to preach and be through in 15 minutes because your attention span ain't long enough. I just to say it's depends on who you're watching because you watch shows on TV for an hour and sit there. Don't even want to go take a party break because you don't want to miss what's going on. And then when you come to church, my man, I just, I just can't stay. You know, I my attention span ain't but. <laughs> man, look, I saw you on your phone for, for two hours. <laughs> attention span short, somebody lied to you. Ain't nothing wrong with your attention span. You just don't want to listen to what the Lord is trying to. Amen. My attention span. I know. But Pastor Boda is not a 15-minute preacher. Y'all know that. And, and I had 10 pages of notes up here. And I'm going to get through all of them. But I'm going to speed it up because I know some of y'all can't handle it. Because we in words. Your mind is on I'm just trying to reel some of these minds back in, people, because, you know, somebody may have to beat you on their mind right now, and that's the wrong. You're not worshiping. So God is looking for those who will worship him that way. for God is a spirit. You can't see him. There's nothing material about him. So he is a spirit. So those who worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. You can't worship him in your flesh. Because your flesh is not going to want to do what God tells it to do. That's why you got to worship in your, something deep down on the inside, you got to have a love for God that you just want to worship Him. It's almost like some of you young people I know, some of y'all are dating, I don't want to start nobody dating that's not dating, but if your parents already allow you to date somebody, you know, if I could just look at your phone, I know how much you love her or him. Because when I go through the receipts, I'm going to see who's in there. And I guarantee you there are some people that got more receipts and more calls than others. Because that's a relationship. It's the same way with God. When you get into a relationship with him and you say you love him, you want to be around him. You want to talk about him. You want others to know what he has done in your life. Because believe it or not, it's all is not about you but it's all about him. So he said, you got to do that. Now look at this. The woman said in verse 25, I know the Messiah, the Savior, is coming. The one who is called Christ. When he comes, he will explain everything. So even though they were not full Jews, they knew enough about something to have an expectation that a Savior was coming. Now look at this. Then Jesus revealed himself to her, and he told her, I am the Messiah. Now, we don't know what she said in response to that revelation, but we do have a record of what she did after she got the revelation. Because before she could say something in response to that, the boys showed back up. You know, he had them sent the boys off to get some lunch because they was complaining to hunger, so he sent them off. He by himself. Now they show back up. So now you got to imagine that the atmosphere is a little bit different. Hey, these guys have walked back in and caught me talking to this, you know, woman by myself. They ain't used to seeing that kind of movement. So guess what? They are, uh, to say the least, Kim, they just shocked. they just shocked out of their mind. Look at this. Verse 27. Just then his disciples came back and they were shocked to find him talking to a woman. But none of them had the nerve to ask. It. And I always wonder, what, what would make, if they had a question, why didn't they ask? they probably figure, hey, we know him. We know his character. We know if he's talking to her, that's a reason he got to be here. And we trust enough that he ain't out here trying to hook up. He ain't trying to be husband number six or seven. Amen. And because of that, they didn't even ask the question. So they didn't ask, what, are you, what do you want with her or why are you talking to her? But the woman now was so full of that living water, guess what she did? She ran away and left the natural. You know, she came there looking for natural water, but now she done got filled with living water and her mind is no longer on See, when the Spirit of God start moving in your heart and your mind, even in the worship service, your mind will get off your natural concerns and start putting your mind on the things that he is concerned with. You'll start thinking about him. You'll start doing what he wants you to do. So this woman who came out there specifically to get water, all of a sudden now she meets Jesus. He reveals who he is to her, and she goes running off without a water jar. So look at this, verse 28. The woman left her water job beside the well and ran. Somebody said ran back. Yeah. Now, you know it's hot. Uh-huh. And she ran back. Yeah. You know, ain't gonna too much going to make you run when it's 100 degrees outside. Yeah. Oh, yeah. But, boy, if you meet the right person yeah. under the right circumstances uh-huh. and they speak something into your life that you just can't hold on to, then you want to run and tell somebody. All of you have a run and tell somebody testimony. You just need to be bold enough to run and tell somebody. All of y'all have had an encounter with Jesus somewhere. If you're sitting here today and you got to be able to recall that encounter and then make that part of your testimony so that when it's time to talk about him, all you're doing is talking about you and him. You don't have to know the whole Bible to run and tell somebody something. So the woman left the water... Jar beside the well and ran back to the village telling everyone. Look what she was saying. She says, come see a man who told me everything I ever did. Could he possibly be the Messiah? Now, come see a man who told me a lot of things about myself and everything I ever done. Most of these folk knew about her and what she was doing. That's probably why she was out there by her So now Jesus went even deeper and said, hey, this dude reveals some things about me that you don't even know. Uh And so therefore, I want you to come see him. And she said, he could be this Messiah. It's possible. Uh Now, she had already got the revelation that he was. I don't know why she went back and said he could be. But Marvin, maybe she was trying to get into their head and their curiosity. Maybe she was thinking like they would think. You know, before Marvin come to me with this powerful testimony, but I look at Marvin and see who he is and what he's been doing, and I tune out his testimony. Uh-huh. You know, Marvin done been married six times, and now he's living with somebody that ain't even here, and now he's going to come and talk about he done met the could be, he done met the real, I ain't going to believe Marvin. Marvin ain't got no street cred. He don't know He ain't got no street cred. I can't believe Marvin in some situation like that. So Marvin got to come and say, you know, I met this this person that told me all about myself, and they could be. I ain't said he'll be. Now I'm going to say, okay, well, Marvin ain't been himself, okay? Since Marvin said that, I'm going to check out what Marvin said. So the woman didn't say precisely. But guess what? This is the only place where outside of in Judaism before Jesus had not even revealed who he truly was to the Jews. When they always asked him that question, he talked around it, talked in riddles, gave them parables. But he never literally said it. But he said it to this Negro. He said it to this Samaritan woman. Somebody that thought wasn't worthy to carry the word back to the people. Jesus had a tendency to allow women to carry the word. Because it was the women on, you know, Resurrection Sunday that was at the tomb first that carried a So God has no problem with women sharing this, this gospel. And he don't even care what your background was before you met him. Because as long as you be authentically who you are after you met him, guess what? He can use you to his glory and you will be blessed and you will bless others. So this woman didn't let her pass, keep her from doing what the Lord had called her to do. And when she went back and said he could be, the Bible said the people came streaming from the village to see him. Meanwhile, his disciples were urging him, Rabbi, eat something. See, them boys were still thinking in the natural. And probably someone was prejudiced. They went, they didn't, they didn't expect these Samaritans. To come and get saved. Because that ain't our primary target. We want to go around these folks. And now you telling us. Hey here they come. And we want you to eat. So we can get out of here. We don't want to spend too much time here. But Jesus replied. I have a kind of food. That you know nothing about. Now that baffled them boys. They say. "Uh, Did someone bring him food. While we were gone. (laughs) They asked themselves. You know. (laughs) When we left here. This dude was hungry. Now we come back with all this bread. He talked about he got food we don't even know about. What happened? See, in their natural mind, they was only standing in the natural thinking about feeding themselves. Yeah. When you're gonna reach out to people, it can't be about you. You can't be about how you're gonna take care of you when you're trying to minister to other people. You gotta let them be the priority. Because God has placed them on your heart, a place you to be the person that can go to them, then you gotta take that assignment serious so jesus was letting them know hey my nourishment in verse 20 34 he says jesus explained my nourishment comes from doing the will of god who sent me and from finish and from finishing his work now so he said now look my assignment we learned last week i came to seek and to say that was lost but i was born to be the savior of my people But now we're seeing that his people is broader than just the Jewish race. Last week we talked about when he went to the Jews, but now this week we say, hey, he done brought the Samaritans. See, sometimes people think that they had the market on Jesus. And that when other folks start to get saved, they get intimidated. But Jesus came for everybody, regardless of your race, creed, color, national origin, or previous condition of servitude. He came for everybody. So everybody needs to know who Jesus is. So he says, my nourishment comes from seeing someone's life change because of something that I did. I get fooled off of that. And when I get fooled off of that, that overrides my natural hunger. There's some things that you can find when you put your mind on certain other things that's just as important as your eating is, guess what? You can go without eating for a period of time. We have been conditioned to eat all day, all time. But sometimes you need to just say, "Today I ain't gonna eat nothing because I want to get in tune with God a little bit better. I want my spirit to connect with God." And God, if someone come my way, I'm already fed. I'm fed up with the spirit that now I'm ready to minister to somebody who may need to know the Lord. But if we never intentionally prepare our minds to minister to people, we'll meet people at the well every day. There's some people that you work with. There's some children that you go to school with. They at the well. And they're looking for you to share the gospel with them. This woman went back and shared it with the whole town. One woman went back and shared it with the whole town and the entire village started streaming out to see what Jesus had to say. You know, and so look at this. Did someone bring him food while we were gone? The disciples asked each other. Then Jesus explained, my nourishment come from doing the will of the Father who sent me and from finishing his work. We all have a work to do and God expects us to finish. You got to finish strong. Don't quit on Jesus in the middle of your race. Run your race to the end. You're only racing against yourself, not the other person. It's you and the Lord that's running your race. You run the race he gave you at the speed he wants you to run it all the way to the end. Sometimes we fail, fall short in finishing our assignment because we start measuring ourselves against other people. And it can do one or two things to you if you measure yourself against someone that's weaker than you are you're going to overrate yourself and think you're better so so therefore we have a tendency to always measure down instead of measuring up because if i measure down i'm always on top and i look better than who i measuring myself against but every now and then if you measure yourself with somebody who's above you then that put a different mindset and some of y'all are intimidated when you have to measure yourself against somebody who are because you don't think you can get to where they are when you gotta believe in your heart or your mind. I'm using you as a measure of state because I believe with God, I can get where you oh, are. Yeah. But when you run in your race, don't worry about that other person. You just run and do what God is calling you to do. And if you endure to the end, you're gonna get the same reward. Oh, yeah. yeah. Last verses. as the people started streaming out Jesus saw that as harvesting somebody has he sowed the seed now the seed is bearing fruit now it's time to harvest he had already told his disciples you know the harvest is plentiful but the laborers are few somebody got to go out and reap the harvest and so as these people are coming out and streaming out Jesus used this as the opportunity to further reveal himself to the people So in verse 39, he says, look, many Samaritans, somebody say many, Many. that let me know not all of them going to believe. So no matter who you speak to, no matter how hard you witness for the Lord, everybody is not going to believe. But don't you lose count of all the people who do believe because you're worried about the one or two that's not going to believe. Your job is not to focus on the many that's not going to believe. You focus on the people that the Lord has changed their heart and now you want to be there for them. So he says, many Samaritans from the village believed in Jesus because the woman had said he told me everything I ever did. Her testimony was enough to change some of them, but there were some of them that, you know, kind of hard-headed. I just can't take nothing from no woman. So therefore, unless I hear him say it myself, I, I ain't down with the story. But that's okay. He'll talk to you too. And if he can use a rock and a rooster... I'm sure he can use an anointed sister to tell you something. Every now and then you you may not know. That answer may have to come from somebody that you thought that you are supposed to know everything above this person. Look at this. He says, When they came out to see him, they begged him to stay in the village. So he stayed two days, long enough for many more. So that was many at first. Now I got many more, but ain't all of them, but he got the many more. Many, but many more uh, to hear his message and believe. Long enough for men and more to hear his message and believe. Then in verse 42, then they said to the woman, Now, we believe not just because of what you told us, but because we have heard him ourselves." Some of you are going to be like that. You're never going to truly believe God until you hear him for yourself. And and I understand that. It may not be the message I preach or the message Brother Cliff preaches, Minister Latham, or anybody else, Adrian preaches here. That message may not reach you. It may be after you leave here, someone may say something to you and make you realize who Jesus is in your life. And and when that happens, I ain't going to be mad at him. All I'm doing is what I'm supposed to do. I'm just sowing seed, scattering everywhere I go. Just reading this Bible, scattering seed everywhere I go. Some of it's going to fall on good ground, some of it's going to fall on hard ground. Amen. And so therefore, before the hard ground get harder, I'm about to wrap this up because I know the ground will get hard and you stop listening. But look at this. Look what he says. <laughs> this is the last verse. Then they said to the woman, we now believe him just because of what he told us. Because, but because, Not because of what, what you told us, but because we heard him for ourselves. Now we know that he is indeed the savior of the world. And that's the end of the game. That's the get end game right there. You got to know in your heart that Jesus is the savior of the world, not just the Jews. So that means that anybody you come in contact with and that don't know Jesus, he came just for them. And the only way they can know that is you got to be like this woman, carrying your story to them and believing that if you genuinely and sincerely Tell them your story. Somebody will believe your report because you're the only person that can be authentic when it comes to talking about you. Nobody else can do that but you. And the beauty is is that you're the right person to do it. And if you do it with truth and under the power of the Holy Spirit, people will believe your testimony. Amen? Amen. Give the Lord a hand clap of praise if you will.